Welcome to the Spirituality Out Loud podcast, where you'll hear real-life stories of people's unique spiritual journeys in their own words from their own viewpoints. Hosted by Leslie Seidel, relationship expert and spiritual mentor, who specializes in working with people on their relationships, from their romantic life to their work life and just plain life. Here's Leslie. Welcome back to another episode of the Spirituality Out Loud podcast. I am Leslie Seidel, your host and relationship expert. This week, we have Jason Stein. Jason is a coach who loves helping wellness people in his private coaching practice where he has helped hundreds of small business owners around the world mindfully create healthier businesses while enhancing their profits, relationships, and impact. I so enjoyed talking with Jason about his winding path throughout his life on his spiritual journey. So here is Jason. Hi, Jason. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to hear your story. (laughs) Um, So we start at the beginning which is, um, what were you related, were you raised with any particular religion or did you have any thoughts or feelings about a spiritual life? And looking back, um, what was your experience on that kind of part of your life? Yeah. So I was raised in a blended family. And so my uh, biological father, I would see two weeks out of the summer and, uh, sometimes over the holidays, and he was raised Jewish. And uh, my mom, although was raised um, from a Christian denomination, um, would take the family to a Unitarian church. And for the listeners that don't know about Unitarianism, it's almost like a spiritual buffet. <laughs> like, you know, you can show up, and if you want to learn about Islamic or you know, the, the, there's a lot of doves because it's the universal sign for peace, right? And so to be really honest, I grew up really confused. As I grew up in middle school and high school, I knew who the Jewish community was, but I didn't really feel like I fit in. I knew who the Christian community was, but I didn't really feel like I fit in. And so I knew the traditions um, from a lot of different cultures, but I felt really lost. How can there be this way or that way? And if you don't choose a way, what does that mean? And, and then my grandparents were incredibly religious where it's wrong to be homosexual. It's wrong for whites and blacks to mix. And there was just a tremendous amount of um, judgment and racism and homophobia. And so trying to dance with all that as a, as a you know, child and then as a teenager and then as a young adult. So was it that none of these paths spoke to you or was it that you felt that you wouldn't be accepted in any of these paths or was it a combination? Like, was it you saying this doesn't seem right? Yeah, there was a little bit of all of it. So I remember like when you're a kid, you might be able to recall there's just teasing that happens for children, right? And so I remember um, my last name Stein, Jason Stein, and I remember in middle school, kids gluing a quarter to the sidewalk and then watching me go try to pick it up and because it was super glued to the sidewalk, I couldn't get it. And then 
So it was don't be Steinish, like don't be mm. Jewish, right? So there's some cruelty that happens. And I think that because I wasn't fully immersed in any one family unit, it became a challenge to find my own grounding. So I wasn't fully called. I remember in my, my young 20s, uh, I went to Israel. Because uh, I think it's important that if you're exploring your faith, that you really explore not from books, but from experience. And because I have a Jewish bloodline, if I stayed, I would have been sponsored. I could have stayed on the kibbutz. I could have like, and I didn't have that calling. For those that are raised in a blended family, it doesn't always happen, but often there's like just finger pointing. And like, so I remember being, I have a uncle and aunt that are um, very steeped in their Jewish faith. And, and I really support that for them. But I remember like being in the old city of Jerusalem, the four quarters and seeing a line out the door. And I'm like, to my aunt, like, what happened over there? And she's like, I, I don't know, like someone died. And it was Jesus's tomb. That, that was like, so, you know. <laughs> Understatement of the century. <laughs> you gotta get the full story, right? And so I eventually found my way, but the beginning uh, was a, a little bit of a rough start. Yeah. Did you find yourself seeking? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I, I have always been a seeker because I think that as a, a child who's not taught faith or principles from an early age, you have no foundation to pull from. So you start seeking your own foundation. And, you know, I remember my dad, who's Jewish, having a Christmas table and putting the presents underneath the table because Hanukkah was his thing, but he wanted to try, right? So that was his attempt. <laughs> Just to decorate the table with lights and a few ornaments. Oh, I think that's actually kind of sweet. Um, yeah. It's someone's traditions from the outside, right? Like Definitely. so interesting, the pieces that you collect looking in. So what did the searching look like? You went to Israel. Um, oh, I've been a searcher from the beginning. So even in high school, I used to love to just go to different churches with friends just to check them out. And my favorite was probably the, a black Baptist church because there was just so much music and so much aliveness. And, you know, this could be my own bias, but <clears throat> I think you can tell a really good um, faith community by the music that they bring. Right. That was my <laughs> test. <laughs> that was, well, that was your test then. Is it still your test now? I still believe, and it doesn't matter if people are tone deaf, but it's the way they bring the music. And I have three kids now, and I, I teach them multi-faith, and we create our own rituals, and we create our own traditions, and it's, it's steeped more probably in being an American than anything else. But I think it's very important to lay a foundation. Like, I know certain kids, certain ages, they don't know who Jesus is or what he looks like or what he stood for. And yeah. the same is true for Buddha, right? So, Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because when I went out and saw it, when I went out looking, one of the religions that super called me was the Jewish religion. Yeah. And, but I was in the Bay Area. Mm. And so High Holidays were this super liberal, very joyous experience. And I thought it was just like, this is amazing. So inclusive. And what, I mean, I, 5'10", blonde, I still, got, I 
stood out. And, um, but it was, I found it deeply moving and the rituals and deeply calling. Right. Um, so it is like what occurs and how does that call to you? Yeah. Well, what called to me, I grew up in New Mexico mm-hmm. and the native Americans called to me. And so I eventually started to study more and got a mentor and went to ceremony. To me, that was a place where I could find some grounding a little bit. Lovely. So tell me a little bit about that. Like what, what was a mentor? Tell me about the mentor. Tell me about what that looked like. Yeah, well, my mentor in the Native American culture, many of the cultures, you, you can go on a vision quest and on the vision quest. And I'm not talking like, this wasn't like, find it on the internet, go pay your money, get in the sweat lodge. And like, it was really all the real deal from lineage. I remember my first sweat lodge and um, there was just such a sense of humor, but such a strength at the same time. And so the man running the sweat lodge would tell stories. And in the storytelling, there was just truth that would happen. And so the sense of humor I remember, if you've ever been to a sweat lodge, it's an anipi and they cover it with blankets and, you know, it, it's made with uh, birchwood or other types of trees. And so it's really like from the earth. Mm. And when it's covered, they let these rocks and they call them like uh, great grandfather and like they're ancestral, these rocks. And so they heat them up overnight and then they bring them in. And they do ceremony around them. And so you're in there and you're sitting and I didn't know what was going to happen next. The leader um, said, you know, if it gets too hot in here, just raise your hand and I'll open the door. And everyone laughed. And I was like, oh, great. At least there's an out. And he shut the door and it was pitch black. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And there's something about, like, I have a very strong ego, and I always have. And in that tradition, you get to a point in that kind of heat where you you either go crazy or you surrender. So you Mm -hmm. pray. And by getting into a state of prayer, you're able to survive the intensity. And and that's true in everyday life, right? It's like we get news all the time that, can either knock us off our feet and send us into a 10-year cycle of depression or can get us into a place of like, that's really tough. And I'm a part of the bigger web. Once I started exploring the Native American side, um, the Taoist side, for me, I became an acupuncturist. And the medicine itself, like the origin of the medicine, of Chinese medicine, stems from observation in nature. And so when you read the poetry and you start to explore the medicine that's been around for 3,000 years, you start to learn like, wow, this medicine has survived, you know, world wars and epidemics and plagues and on and on and cultural revolutions. And it's still here. And it's really simple. And it really works. Through my experiences, What's most important is how do I access my heart? So how do I get out of the noise? And how do I get in the quiet? How do I live in an integrity of principles that really work for me and for others? Because I really am a universalist. I think that's what the Unitarian Church 
taught me was that all paths lead to oneness. Right. And I still, I still believe that. So do you go to that church? I don't. I actually, um, I go in and out. So for five years, I was part of uh, religious science, which is really new thought. And um, uh, for a couple of years, I took over the teen program. And um, I understand the messages and I've read the books. And um, sometimes just on this call, I think I got to keep reviewing like, is it time for my kids? Because it's important for me that they have some anchors to uh, draw from when they're ready to make that journey for themselves. But I think there's also some harm done by other people, which uh, one mentor, spiritual mentor of mine said, getting into a faith is like getting into a river that goes all the way to the ocean. And if you don't get into one stream that leads to the river that goes to the ocean, you just end up hopping from stream to stream to stream. Mm. And for a long time, I felt some shame about that. Mm. And then I realized it's about being in the water because the stream's connected to the river and the river's connected to the ocean. If you're in any water, you're all right. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I remember sitting with, uh, I always mess her name up, Pendra Chodron. Yeah. And she talked about going to some, she was a speaker at some spiritual gathering and it had all of these different disciplines. And she, one of the things that she talked about is that it's easy to hop from discipline, like from path to path, but the danger can be is that you don't go deep uh -huh. enough, right? When the fire comes, you raise your hand and want to get out the door, yeah. right? And so... Like you, I agree, as long as you're in the water, but what is the shift, right? That's the question I ask myself. Is it because it's too hot in here mm -hmm. and I want to go over there so I don't have to feel that heat anymore? Mm -hmm. Just the like happiness of the, you know, because every path has a, has a dark side, like has a human side, a, a, a price, a, something I have to do, right? Like I, I resist meditation and I need it. Yeah. Right? It's like, God, show me a way that I can do this without meditation. Come on, someone. <laughs> and so how does that, I don't know, does that ring true for you? Like, I mean, I've, definitely, I've done it. I've definitely been like, this is hot. I'm going somewhere else. But I've also gone all the way in. Like mm -hmm. in the Native American culture, I explored some of the traditions that are, you know, pretty intense. Mm -hmm. And I stayed. I stayed in the fire. And with Pema Chodron, um, I went through a very unexpected divorce that came with a lot of trauma. Mm. Um, and I listened to Pema Chodron every night for a year. Yeah. Uh, don't bite the hook. By doing that, you get it in, in your spirit. You get it in your body and bones, right? And, and so we're not talking like this isn't a podcast about religion although it yeah. can be it's a podcast about spirituality yeah. and for me the spiritual nature is what i've learned and and they, the the native path is called the red path right and what i learned on that path is if it's pure in your heart it can't be wrong mm. doing ceremony i i can tend towards perfectionist and i remember like am i doing it right am i doing it right am i doing it right I don't know. Are you doing it right? If it's pure in your heart, it can't be wrong. I know, but th this is a tradition that's been around for thousands of years. Like, 
and am I going to mess it up? I'm like, well, I don't know. If it's pure in your heart, it can't be wrong. And finally, it starts to get in there, right? Well, it's just that discussion, right? The ego and spirit. The, you know, like that's the battle, right? I was working with a channeler recently, and I was like, but how? But how? But how? But how? And <laughs> you know, and I can get really stuck in that spot, and and that's you know, and that's the surrender, right? How is not my business? If yeah. I'm if I'm grounded in I'm grounded and connected, then the decisions I make out of that place lead me. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm curious, and you don't have to, I guess this is a little personal, but um, how do you talk about this? Because you have a 14-year-old and a 10-year-old and then a 1-year-old, right? right. You, so you're having different conversations around this topic and and you know, I have a three-year-old, so I, I'm, we haven't talked about how we're going to formally discuss it or even if we're, I mean, you know, the beginning is just like it's in the, it's in the family, right? So yeah. how do you talk about this with your family? Well, it's, it's an important thing to talk about. And so one, I think that if you're a family living in, a, a, in the U.S. or you're in a, a Western civilization, it's really important that you have traditions, whether those are traditions that have been around for lineage or whether they're new traditions. And so one of the traditions that we have is talking about your high-low high every night at dinner. And we eat dinner at the table every single night. Like that's not a choice, right? Mm -hmm. And so being able to explore that, we can start to just have a context for there are ups and downs and let's talk about them and let's bring them open. The other is my kids have been to multiple church settings and um, religious faith settings. And I think it's important for them to be encouraged to experience and then decide. An example of this is that uh, we went to an Easter service at a, a church a couple of years ago. And my older children, they didn't want to go, right? They were just like, no, I'd rather do something else. I'd rather stay home and be on a screen. <laughs> and uh, my role is great. You can complain about it after you go and we're going to have the experience. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important not to get plugged in as a parent of like, just because someone doesn't want to go that it means that it's the right choice because that's happened several times. And then they come back and they're like, that was so much fun. Right. And um, my older kids, you know, lineage, they have two households and the other household is Jewish. <laughs> so they're learning the Jewish faith and they celebrate Hanukkah and then we celebrate Christmas at my household. And I think it's important that you pick your own, like for some people, Christianity and Christmas really go hand in hand. And for me, the Christmas spirit and Christmas go hand in hand. When it comes to spirituality, it's, it's in action rather than in like, let me just talk about it. Absolutely. They watch what we do way more than what we say. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I uh, was raised in a pretty uh, atheist household, but at Christmas was huge. Yeah. And, and there, it was, I was, you know, it took me a long time to know that it had anything to do with Jesus. And so I love the lights, right? And I'm more of a winter solstice gal right? Just the honoring of the longest night and the honoring yeah. of the gathering and the twinkle lights to help us navigate this thing. And so I've just been, you know, what I find 
being in this Western culture is there's so much of these rituals that have lost its meaning. Why? Why are we doing it? What do we want to do? What is the point behind this? Right. And, and so to bring that meaning, my family is important. Family is important to me. And, and to have these, you know, that it's less important about what we're doing and more important that you, know, you spend time with family during this holiday. Yeah. That's what we're doing here today. Yeah. Yeah. And to and set it, your own boundaries. Like for the listeners, some of you have family members that may not be healthy to spend time with. <laughs> And then it's really okay for you to say, I want to give everyone permission to say no. Like yeah. you don't have to spend your time off with family that doesn't rejuvenate you. Like you can go explore and find new traditions for yourself. Absolutely. It's your path. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my uh, mother-in-law is um, deeply spiritually Catholic. It's really beautiful to mm. witness. And, mm. and so she's very timid about whether or not she can teach my son. And I am, I, yes, please show, you have this beautiful faith that works for you so deeply. And so does my, you know, so he's got these grandparents that love this. Right. I have some boundaries of things that kind of make me nervous. The, the crucifixion seems a little startling for a little kid. And so, you know, I have some boundaries in that. But other than that, like, please show your faith. Yeah. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah. All, all, all is included. All is welcome. I. I, I think yeah. I've had some maturity over the years, which has helped. I mean, I remember being 14 and going to a Catholic church and getting in line and my friend being like, what, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I want to take communion. But you can't take communion. You're not Catholic. And I, I was like, well, I want to see what the wafer tastes like. <laughs> so I think that with time, there's a maturity that comes to also really honor other people's faith, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't baptize our son, and, and, and I'm open to baptizing him, but I'm also going to be honest with the person I'm, you know, like that I'm not going to raise him Catholic. So if that's okay with you, then we can go through the baptism. But if it's not okay with you, then no. So one of the things I like to talk about, or I'd love to hear, is how does this show up in your life, in your, like, in your decision making, like not just in the holidays and the children, right? But how does this connection to heart show up in your work and show up in your, in all, you know what I mean? In, in the different parts of your life. Because my spiritual practice is how I found this home, right? Like, you know, all of these decision making, there's a, there's a, there's a part of that. So mm -hmm. is that true for you? And if so, how? Yeah, so there's subtle and not so subtle ways. I meditate every morning for 10 minutes and mm -hmm. um, I use the Headspace app because I find that having someone just be there and walk with me in it is easier than sitting in silence and trying to create it. Mm -hmm. So that's one way for me is to start every day with getting myself grounded. I also find that spirituality, when we talk about it, Sometimes we make stuff up that like it has to be pure and organic and like riding my motorcycle is a spiritual journey for me. I love whiskey and tasting different whiskeys can be a practice of mindfulness, right? Mm -hmm. So just really getting my own flavor and then exploring and I make mistakes. I mean, I'm sure with my children, I'm doing a pretty good job and I could do better. I mean, that's just the way of it. 
So with my, my kids, we just come in and out of it. Like they have really fortunately, the older two go to a school that's an environmental school and it has a strong spiritual nature. So they're getting it on a regular basis of not only having observation, but having critical thinking of how that lands in their own body, in their own heart, in their own mind. Again, I'll bring it back to, we just have traditions. So when we get a tree, we go and we chop it down and we bring it home rather than going to the lot and paying for it, right? Other traditions around the holiday time, we always make gingerbread houses together. And what I love is, that my mother-in-law like has designs, like CAD designs for the plans. And like these gingerbread houses are like, they're huge. And it's the spirit of doing it every year. We know that it's coming and then we get to do it and then we've done it. And then every year it gets talked about. And so it's those types of thing. For my own, it, it's through trial and error. We've definitely done things that haven't worked. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah. Is there anything that I missed or anything that you would like to say? Yeah, I would say um, I remember a time of feeling alone. And I remember a time where it was my spiritual nature and community that helped me survive some really tough times in my life. And so if you're on a path and you just don't know where to go, just start somewhere. Like explore a community and as opposed to being embarrassed or feeling alone that you're showing up in that new community, communities love new people. It's a reason why if you go to church, there's a 10 minute feel about like get the brochure and all the stuff on the way out, right? So that's one thing is if you're listening to this podcast and you feel alone, there are hundreds if not thousands of communities that would love for you to be a part of, not to just give to you, but to receive from you as well. That's lovely, thank you. And then the last piece would be um, from the Christian faith, tithing's important. And to think about taking a piece that is yours and gifting it forward, whether it's some of the material stuff in your house or some of the finances that you make annually. And I don't think it has to be a true and hard 10%, but I do believe that that kind of circulation, you will be amazed by the surprises that show up in your life. Well, it's lovely. All right, thank you again so much for taking this time with me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode of Spirituality Out Loud. Be sure to rate us, review us, and like us on Facebook and share us with your friends.